Here at Doxedo Bloom, we're excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope you enjoy today's message. Today we are starting with a brand new series where we're going to be speaking about one of the most important people that you will ever hear of or have the privilege of knowing. The person that I'm speaking about is older than anyone that has ever lived and older than anyone that will ever live. But at the same time, this person is the most hip and happening person that you will ever know. He's one of the coolest, most creative and caring friends you will ever have the privilege of knowing, and he knows people in very high places. Now, if you've not guessed it yet, I'm speaking about the Holy Spirit. Now, to be quite honest, personally for me, there's been a time in my life when I viewed the Holy Spirit as the black sheep in God's family. Almost a weird, odd one out that we don't really know what to expect of him, what he will do. We don't talk very much about him. And I think it's fairly safe to say that there's been a fair bit of mystery surrounding the person of the Holy Spirit. And so what we want to attempt to do in the next few weeks is we want to demystify the mystical when it comes to the person of the Holy Spirit. Today, I want to start us off with a statement connected to this person of the Holy Spirit that we find fairly often in Scripture. And it's this sentence that says, born of the Spirit, being born of the Holy Spirit. Now, in about four months' time, I will have the privilege of becoming a father for the very first time. Now, that thought to me is equally exciting and terrifying at the very same time. Since the day that we have been married, my wife and I have been in a debate with regards to whether or not I should be at the birth of our first child. Now, I know what you're thinking, what a horrible person you are, Zander, but just hear me out for a second. My argument in this debate is this, that I do not do very well with birthy kind of things. I do not do very well with hospitals and the gore surrounding hospitals. My wife on the other side of the spectrum argues that she really doesn't care whether or not I do well with these kinds of things, but that I will, in capital letters, be at the birth of not only our first child, but all of our children. So I think it's fairly safe to say that we do not yet see eye to eye when it comes to this topic. And I have to maybe say that I am just joking, not necessarily about the part that I do not do well with hospitals and birth and all of those kinds of things, but about the part that I do not want to be at the birth of our first child. I will be there, probably. Now, there's something about that moment when a new life comes into existence that, as I've said, to me is equally as exciting and terrifying at the very same time. Just a thought of witnessing that moment, to me, is very overwhelming. In John chapter 3, we see a discussion, a conversation between Jesus and a Pharisee called Nicodemus about this very topic of birth. But they go beyond physical birth to speak about that incredibly, radically exciting and terrifying moment that someone actually gets born again spiritually. And we drop in on this conversation in John chapter 3 from verse 1 to 8. It says the following. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish, Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, which means teacher, 
We know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Holy Spirit. Flesh gives birth to, birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying, you must be born again. For the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Holy Spirit. And so we see this conversation between Jesus and a Pharisee who, according to himself, would have rated himself to be a fairly professional Christian. He would probably have known the Bible better than anyone watching this today. He would probably have given his tithe more often than any one of us today. He would probably have lived a holier life than any of us watching this today. And out of that context, he approaches Jesus, hoping to get a pat on the back, saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. Instead, Jesus puts to the side all of his accomplishments, all of his successes is almost in a sense ignored by Jesus and Jesus brings him back to something as elementary, as simple and pure as being born. Now, I read an article during this week that say that success at the age of four means not wetting your pants. They go on to say that at the age of 12, success means having friends. At the age of 18, it means that you have a driver's license. At the age of 20, it means that you are married. They say that success at the age of 35 means having money. At the age of 40, success means having money. At the age of 45, success means having money. At the age of 50, success means having money. At the age of 60, success means still having money left. At the age of 70, they say that success means that you are still married. At the age of 80, success means still having your driver's license. At the age of 85, success means still having any friends left. And then finally, at the age of 90, success means not wetting your pants. My point with this today is that success means very different things to different ages to different people at different times in their lives. But the one thing that I would bet everything I own on today is that the one thing we all have in common is this one thing, that we have all been born. And for, for success and accomplishment to be a pot potentially a reality in your life whatsoever, you have to be born. No one can skip that part. No one can avoid the part where you are born. And Jesus, in this conversation, is saying in order for you to get anywhere spiritually, to grow in any aspect spiritually, it has to start with something as elementary as being born of the Holy Spirit. And I find it interesting in the scripture that it doesn't say you need to be hired by the Holy Spirit. 
It doesn't say you need to be qualified by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say that you need to be employed by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say you need to be befriended by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say that you need to be in partnership with the Holy Spirit. It says you need to be born of the Spirit. And the immense truth of this statement is that all those other relationships, an employee-employer relationship can come to an end. A friendship can come to an end. A partnership can come to an end. But something that will never change is the fact that you were born into a natural family. And Jesus puts this down as the one thing that would transform millions upon millions of people's lives. And Jesus puts this down as saying, I did not come to be in partnership with you, to have you as my employee for me to have a good influence on you. He did not come to try and fix something that was broken. He did not come to come and plaster something that was dented. He came to revive something that was essentially at its very core dead. See, being born again does not mean that we try harder to live better lives, to become better Christians. Being born again is something as exciting and terrifying and radically transformational as someone being born. Henry Drummond puts it this way by saying, the spiritual man is no mere development of the natural man. He is a new creation born from above. See, when Jesus came to this earth, he did not come to medicate our sinfulness. He came to mediate on our behalf with the Father for the forgiveness of our sins that we could have new life through rebirth. I want to give you three quick characteristics of this born-again life. Number one, being born again is God's labor of love and your gift of grace. Quickly take a moment to think back to the day that you were born. See if you can remember anything that happened on that day. For me personally, I remembered my own birth as it was yesterday, and believe me, it wasn't. I remember there were lots of people in the room at the hospital and as I was coming out into the world, as I was being born, I got up, I dusted myself off. For some other reason, the doctor spanked me. I cried for a little bit. Then I got up and I shook the doctor's hand. I turned to my mom and I told her, well done, great job, and congratulations on this very beautiful, intelligent, sexy, handsome boy that you have given birth to today. After that conversation, the nurses were so polite to give me a free pair of clothes a cute hat that I put on my head and I went home. And that was the day of my birth. Now I know what all of you are thinking. What a legend Zander is, right? Except for the fact that nothing that I just explained actually happened. In fact, it's, it's a ridiculous description of what happened that day. And really, I'm the last person to speak about the events surrounding my own birth because of this simple reality that I am physically the product of someone else's love, labor, patience, and suffering in the same way that I'm spiritually the product of Jesus' love, labor, patience, and suffering in my new birth 
in him. Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 9, puts it this way. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. And when I read this scripture, and I tell this ridiculous story, it almost makes me think of how we in our society have come to celebrate birthdays. We usually go to the person's house whose birthday it is, and we have some nice cake and coffee, and eventually we take out a gift and we hand it to them with these words, congratulations with your birthday. Really, in essence, saying congratulations for doing absolutely nothing. Congratulations for just being born. See, I had no part in neither my physical birth nor my spiritual birth, apart from being the recipient of the gift of life in both of those instances. Second characteristic of this born-again life is that being born again means that it's out with the old and it's in with the new. On the 18th of April, 2008, Jesus came into my life not because I was looking for him, not because I wanted to become a Christian, but because I heard a message where Jesus made the statement that I am willing to nullify your past and hand you a future free of charge. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 speaks of that moment in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. It doesn't say you become a better version of yourself. It doesn't say that you become a Christian on caffeine. It says that you become a new creation. Paul speaks of his own story, of his own rebirth, and he lays next to each other two very contrasting lifestyles when he starts off by explaining how he used to persecute the church, how he used to kill Christians. He's basically describing the life of a terrorist to the church. He then goes over into explaining his current life where he's become an ambassador of the good news of Jesus Christ. And right in the middle of these two lifestyles, he puts his rebirth. He puts his encounter with Jesus Christ as the reason why he went from being a terrorist to an evangelist. See, being born again means that it's out with the old and in with the new. If my salvation is not a matter, a matter of behavior modification, but of rebirth, then everything that I've done in my past becomes irrelevant in a moment. And the guilt and the shame and the condemnation that coincided with my old life, God says there is no condemnation for those who are in Him. See, the Bible says that He keeps no record of our wrongs says that as far as the east is from the west, he has removed our sins from us. And the reality of that is there is no measurable distance between the east and the west. They are eternally separated. They will never be able to be reconciled. And God is saying, when you are born again, your old self and the new creation that you are today are two things that are not able to be reconciled ever again.
See, sometimes as Christians, we deal with our sinful habits as though our salvation hangs in the balance, as though we need to convince God to please forgive us. We sometimes negotiate whether or not we are really born again and saved into the kingdom of God. There's this picture back in, in, the, in the biblical times as one of the punishments that they usually gave people who committed murder is they would strap a corpse to their back and eventually this thing would start rotting and infect them and eventually it will kill them. And I know it's a very graphic picture, but sometimes you and I, we go to the grave of our old selves, we dig it up, strap it to our backs, and we allow the infection of guilt and shame and condemnation and fear to kill our lives as new creations in Jesus Christ. Finally, the third characteristic of this born-again life means that when you are born into the family of God, the apple does not fall far from the tree for you. There's the story in the early 90s where two twin brothers were born and shortly after birth they were separated and given to two different families who were not aware of each other. And so these two families, without knowing of the other, other boy existing even, gave their sons exactly the same name. These two twins ended up being adopted by these families. They grew up. They eventually, both apart from each other, got a pet dog that they gave the exact same name. Both of them in school were great at maths and woodwork. Both of them were horrible in spelling. Both of them eventually ended up marrying women with the exact same names. They eventually got divorced and remarried women with exactly the same names. Both of them had sons that they named exactly the same names. Both of them were smokers. Both of them drove the same car. Both of them went into the security industry. They even took vacations at the exact same beach. Two boys carrying the same DNA, growing up in very different circumstances, living nearly identical lifestyles. My point with this is when you and I get born again, God calls us his son or his daughter and he imprints his DNA into our lives that makes everything in us gravitate towards the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. You see, you cannot help but grow up looking like your parents. And for some of us, that's great news. For others, not so much. And I know we are sitting here today, all the children are probably looking at their parents thinking, I can work with this. This doesn't look too bad. But the reality for you and I is that we carry the DNA of our parents. And in the same way, we carry the DNA of God when we are born again into his family. John Wolfworth puts it this way, as is true of man, who is born naturally and receives a human nature from his parents. So man born anew receives a new nature, a new capacity for service and devotion to God. See, being born again means that the apple does not fall far from the tree for you, where God is the tree and you are the apple and everything inside of you gravitates towards the nature and likeness of God. I want to conclude with Romans 8, verse 29 to 30 in the message translation. It says, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. 
He decided from the outset to shape out the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in Jesus. After God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. And after he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he has begun. Maybe today you've realized that you have only had one birth. Maybe today you've realized that you've tried many things to become a better version of yourself. You've maybe done a lot of religious activity or tried to just be a better person. Maybe you've gone back and dug up the old self, strapped it to your back, and you are busy spiritually dying of the infection of guilt and shame on your life. I want to tell you today, God is making the invitation to you to come to him, to be born again. There's an invitation for you. God is saying, I've done all the hard work on your behalf. Now just come and receive it and be born into this family. If that is you today, I want to encourage you where you're at right now, just to close your eyes. If you feel comfortable with it, just put your hand on your heart and pray this prayer with me. Father, I thank you, Jesus, that you have done the hard work. God, I thank you that when it comes to my life, God, it is your labor of love and my gift of grace, Jesus. God, I want to thank you that being born again means it's out with the old and in with the new into a life where I receive your DNA to become more like you. God, I pray, Jesus, that you would unstrap the old self from my back, Lord God, and that you would cause me, Jesus, to flourish in my relationship with you. Holy Spirit, come and do a work in me. Come and cause me to step into the new life that we have in Jesus. We pray that in your name alone. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.